Welcome to the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. This is Andrew Desimone with... Croy the Grace. Are we starting? Is that it? That's it. Okay. That's how we started. Right. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and keep doing your puzzle. It's all right. It's all right. Don't let this distract you. Okay, I won't. I mean, speaking of, I, I think I, I'm going to get another piece here pretty soon. For those listening, there's a 1,000-piece puzzle on the table here, which... Uh, my girlfriend and I have been working on and we're we've made some pretty good progress and as we it's over by Croiler's end of the table and as we do the podcast Croiler will just uh, be working on a puzzle as well as as well as talking about jujitsu hopefully yeah, I can I can multitask or the puzzle if what do you think about puzzles are you a, when's the last time you've are you a puzzle person and when's the last time you did a puzzle um, I haven't done a puzzle in a long long time I'm not opposed to puzzles I just haven't done one in a long time I could see you being someone who likes puzzles. Yeah, I can get into them. It's easy. I have, besides this here, I haven't done a puzzle since I I was probably a kid. And we got it. We started doing it. And it's weird how it will suck you in. And you just, it feels like you took, like, Adderall or Ritalin and it just is a magnet for your attention and you can't like like three hours pass and you're and you're just going all right my eyes hurt and my neck hurts so maybe uh maybe we should stop this and then you realize Jesus Christ how boring and old am I I just got another another piece in there see it feels good <laughs> I was gonna say you're, you're getting awful sexual talking about this this puzzle <laughs> getting a puzzle piece in is on par with I think sealing a choke or getting a tap from someone no uh you are you sure about I'm that positive <laughs> that face you have on your look right now is very reminiscent of the face you have when someone taps no i don't think so <laughs> there's a certain level there's a certain level of uh um joy that comes out of knowing that their life is in your hands that's true, but this puzzle piece, it's, it's life gonna, is in your hands. No, it's not going to die if I don't do it. It's but just going to sit here. Every moment inadequate. it's it's not surrounded by Complete. by the other pieces. It could be discarded and lost, and That's its okay. life is at risk all the time. It's okay, we're just removing it from the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> and if you really want to mess with me, when you leave, you could take, take one, piece, one piece with and it. And when I come back next week to do it, I'll put the final piece in. Oh, that I makes should you do, so I should do that. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know that I've ever si- that I've ever said uh, fuck you with with like intent w- with intent. Uh-huh. But the, if I that would be the one That'd time that time. I did. All right, yeah. all right, good to know. Yeah, that's how far. That's it's, it's how strong our, our friendship is. That's right. <laughs> one puzzle. <laughs> all right, we are gonna start this episode off with a listener question. This one is from. I mean, I'm going to get it wrong, um, but he has sent stuff to us before. Aryan, A-R-Y-A-N, Aaron, Aryan. Um, either way, that's... Fort Bruin? What's that? Is he, is he from Fort Bruin? Uh, <laughs> yes. Let's say he's from Fort, okay, right. Fort, uh, Fort Orange Brewing Fort. Company. All right. All right. Cool. And... Have you gotten anything? I haven't gotten anything yet. You got to talk to all those people that keep talking, sending these letters in. I know, because all of our listeners, the majority of our (laughs) listeners now are honorary members and employees of Fort Orange Brewing Company. All of them. All right. This this question says, how realistic are gi techniques on actual clothes, like example, sweatshirt, collared shirts? Could you successfully apply a loop choke on an old navy sweatshirt, which... Absolutely. 
I, I think it's a good question because I've wondered. I've heard people say, newcomers say, well, the gi just isn't as practical. That's why I like no gi. But then I've, the response is, well, actually it is because people wear clothes and you can use your clothes. And It's 100% possible. Could, all right. So this right now I'm wearing just a cotton button up long sleeve shirt. It's rather... What do you think about it? Just Let's just do a quick fashion review. What do you think about this shirt? You are the best dressed guy I know. Well, well thank you very much. But that's... That's a low bar. Yeah, I mean, have you just seen the people I hang out with? That's a low bar. The people, yeah. most of the people we yeah. hang out with. Are, but, but I would say that even outside of the people I hang out with, you're probably one of the most fashionable guys I know. Well, that's, that's really nice. It's impressive uh, considering you're colorblind and you're always like, your colors are always perfectly in tune. You gotta stick with the with the things you know. I know. I, I, I don't know how you know. Yeah, that's uh, my point. <laughs> growing up with sisters and a mom. That's it. Okay. All right. All right. Um, man, it'd be nice if we if imagine if we were the same size, we could share clothes. You could dress me, make me make me look good. That's right. Maybe we could do a special episode, a uh, Andrew Eye for the Croiler guy. <laughs> I don't think that would work. And and, uh, and I'll just take you shopping and I'll. I'll You'll wear what I say you wear for a day. How's that sound? Yeah. Uh, uh, Just try. You, you got to trust me. I, I won't steer you wrong. Sure. By the end of it, your wife is going to, she's going to barely be able to keep her hands off you. <laughs> okay. All right. that, you're going to look good. All right. Uh, so back to this. Could you use this shirt I'm wearing? Yes. The material, you don't think it would tear as you tried to. It, w- it would eventually tear, right? So, so that's the thing. Like. There, there's there, there's always going to be limitations, right? So, w- yes, if you're wearing a regular T-shirt or a sweatshirt or a button-up or something like that, will it tear? Yeah, 100%. So will gi. A gi will tear, too. You know what I mean? Like, I've ripped plenty of gis. Um, the, the question isn't, will the material rip? Is it, can, it, can you successfully apply techniques before it rips, right? So the same argument goes for no gi. So, um, no gi techniques becomes, you know, um, severely tougher to perform and to be successful, the sweater, your sweatier, your partner is, um, and you see, and, and anybody that says otherwise, um, you mean, you have never, you either haven't competed or you haven't grappled long enough to be grappling when you're both sweaty. I mean, you see it in the UFC submissions tend to happen, um, with far easy far ease and higher level of success before people get sweaty in the first couple of rounds by the fifth round a submission is very hard to happen it can happen um but both parties are so sweaty that there's a lot of give so it's the same thing with you know regular clothes you know of course i wouldn't use a t-shirt to choke you but like a, you have a you have a button up you know that'd be plenty good for a choke and I said, yes, it, it might rip. And if it rips, then it's my jiu-jitsu should be good enough to move on from that. Mm. I shouldn't be limited. If I grapple somebody in the street, my gi techniques shouldn't, that shouldn't be all I have. Much like my no gi techniques shouldn't be all I have either. Because if you grapple somebody, especially like right now it's winter, if you grapple somebody outside right now, like they're not they're not not wearing clothes and neither are you so they could grab onto your jacket you know to your sweatpants and sweatshirt and all that where right now with a jacket it's very easy to do chokes because that that material won't tear fast enough what would you uh what would be your favorite 
clothing to use jujitsu uh, on somebody. Obviously, a jacket, a, ja- a jack- thick winter coat. Jackets would be preferred, mm-hmm. um, but but really, even t-shirts and sweatshirts could be done. Um, if you like, just a standard like yeah. t-shirt you're wearing, like yep. a cotton yep. t-shirt. Yep. You can you can pull the shirt up on the person's back, bundle it up, so essentially you have a thicker section of cloth and you can do baseball chokes and things of the such oh we uh we should do that with with make a video of someone's t-shirt someone's okay to part with and, and just see sure see my what cousin, stuff my cousins do. have done it they've done videos with that stuff uh here and in, yep. in her. okay next question is from this one comes from luke Luke says, I've been listening to your guys' podcast for about a year now and have found it super informative and entertaining. I'm guessing the information comes from me. The entertainment comes from you. Yeah, because I'm the super entertainer. <laughs> I, I loved learning about the history of the martial arts, about the martial art, as well as the tips and detailed explanations Crowley gives about specific techniques, like the triangle choke episode. I've been practicing jujitsu for about a year and a half now at Easton Training Center and feel that at least... Oh, he says he's a two-stripe white belt. I feel that I'm progressing well. My question for you is, is there a ratio that people practicing jiu-jitsu should follow regarding practicing fundamentals and more advanced techniques? Since I'm technically a white belt, I devote, devote most of my time to learning and polishing my fundamentals, yet feel that I should take more advanced classes in order to gain more specific technical knowledge. Is this beneficial to learn these more advanced techniques, even if one is not quite at the level of perfecting their fundamentals? Fundamentals. Keep up the great work and stay safe. And thanks. Thanks, Luke. Um, as far as there's there a ratio. Um, Seven and a half to one. <laughs> sure. Um, no, the way I look at it is really um, once you master your fundamentals and you really understand the core base of jiu-jitsu and, and, and really you won't master that until you're one or two stripes into your blue belt, uh, maybe longer. Um, but let's say you get a sufficient amount of knowledge from your base for, for your fundamentals. From that point forward, you need to find a balance in which you're increasing the amount of knowledge that you have about other topics, uh, more advanced techniques and so on, but also um, not forgetting to also create a deeper level of knowledge with your fundamentals. So my advice, and, and, and this comes down, of course, to your personal schedule and to your school, is once you get to the advanced class, if, if your school separates beginners and advanced, I don't know if they do or not, a lot of schools don't, but if there is a beginner's class and advanced class, um, by the time you get to be invited to or you're attending the advanced class, you should probably be doing both classes. Um, so like in my school, we have beginners first and advanced on Tuesdays as an example. I would expect my blue belts to do both classes because um, they're still building those fundamentals, but they're also getting new techniques and new information. Before we do the next question, I want to ask you something that I was discussing with someone earlier today. Okay. And I think you're a little privy to this conversation. I was talking to Dave, who's Crowler's father-in-law, and we were discussing, we, we placed, we were betting each other what your answer would be to who would win in a grappling contest between Nick Diaz and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Okay. The rules that we set were 30 minutes, okay. submission only, okay. no striking, 
who do you think would win that? That's contest? a tough one. That's a, how, I mean, uh, how much did you bet? Because I can side with you if I can get a piece of that cut. <laughs> it's just lunch tomorrow, so it's not it's oh. it's not it's not a whole lot. Oh. But we have the classiest lunches. Hundred bucks a day on lunch. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, can I have at least dessert? Uh, I'll throw you the salad. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the salad that nobody eats? Uh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, no. Um, at what weight class? And here's why I ask, because Diaz is naturally much bigger than Khabib. Mm-hmm. I would put him at 155. So at 155, who would beat who? No striking. No striking. Is this gi or no gi? No gi. No gi, no striking, 155. How long? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Is there points involved? Nope, just submission. So if in 30 minutes nothing happens, it's a draw. Yes. That stuff. It is because I think, I think I would I would want to say Diaz because he's a jiu-jitsu black belt and he's a representative. And to be fair, he's got great grappling. But I think the practicality of it would be Khabib would take it. Okay. Do you think he would take it? He would submit him, or he could just smother him for thirty minutes until. Well, done. Khabib wouldn't settle for the draw, right? He would want the win. Mm. But I think he would outgrind Diaz, and Diaz um, generally is a person that likes to do the grinding. He likes to wear people out. Um, you're not wearing out Khabib, and I think Khabib would be in positions where it's less energy costly for him to be in. Do you see him getting on top and just staying there? I see him getting Nick, or not getting Nick, but yeah, I see him getting Nick to a turtle position, you know, a, a double. Wait, Nick or Nate? Nate, sorry, to a to a um, turtle position. Mm. I could see him um, going for a double leg, kind of forcing, you know, Nate to decide to either go to all fours or go to his back. Nate would go to his back. I think Khabib would look to pass. Um, the only chance Nate would have would be if Khabib it would be if Khabib landed in his close guard, and that's about that's about the only chance you'd have. Yeah, I when we were talking about it, I I was I just my bet was Nate, sorry Nick, Nate, <laughs> Nate would win. It's so close. I wouldn't be shocked if Khabib won, but I thought thirty minutes. I don't think that Diaz would... I didn't think he'd get tired. I thought that Khabib could, with his wrestling, he could keep Diaz down on his back, but I didn't. I don't know that he has good enough submissions to, to catch Diaz. And so if they were just stalemate, Khabib on top, on top, on top, at some point I thought... Diaz could find a way out of that and then work to to get a submission. I mean, that could definitely happen. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. Um, I just don't know. Here's the thing: if 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 Nate if Nate was a more focused athlete, I would give it to Nate every day. But the reality is, I think 
Khabib is a much more focused athlete, you know, and and because of that, I think as the fight goes on, the smaller the chances for for Nate to catch Khabib. Sweat gets into play, physicality comes into play. Yeah, I, I would find it a harder sell. So you say Khabib at 155. Yeah. Okay. 170. Yeah, it'll be Diaz gets all day. Okay. All day. Yeah. Well, this makes me then just think of it's kind of the question of who wins a high level. Is this not the question? Who wins a high level wrestler or high level jujitsu guy? And here, but remember, Khabib is not just a wrestler. He's also a Sambo world champion. I forgot about it. And yeah. he also trains jiu-jitsu. So he's not your pure wrestler that is like your NWA champion. You know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's not, not who, who we're talking about here. So his Sambo in, combined with his wrestling and, and then... And his competitive experience. What kind, what kind of jiu-jitsu does he have? I, I've never really looked into so that. A lot of people don't realize, but Khabib, uh, early in his career... He had three triangle wins um, early on in his career. He had a couple armbar wins. Um, most of his wins early in his career were, were by submission. Mm. He's a few Kimuras. Um, you know, people remember Khabib as the guy who's just punching people till they tap out. But the reality is, Khabib has more. I think I believe, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I think Khabib has a very similar number to of wins between TKOs and submissions, if not leaning more towards the submission side. So. No, he's not just the he's not just a wrestler who's gonna lay on you. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna submit you. Mm-hmm. For people listening who aren't familiar with Sambo, what what is where does Sambo sit in comparison to a wrestling jujitsu? So I guess I guess if I'm gonna take a long long way to explain this. So judo took the approach of if I throw you really hard, it's over. And that's the the whole point of it. Mm. And if I don't, if I don't, if I throw you down, it's not perfect. Um, if I just hold you there, that's a win. Wrestling took the approach of if I put you on your back and I hold you there, I win. You just said I don't care if I'm on my back, I will submit you off my back. And uh, Sumbo took a slightly different approach between judo wrestling and jujitsu, in which they're looking for. Um, throws and if there is no throw we're not looking to pen we're looking to submit as fast as possible so a lot of uh, sambo throws are usually meant to lead directly into a submission so they'll do a lot of your traditional wrestling takedowns your doubles your singles your duck hunters and so on um, but they will also do a lot of judo throws you know your epons your uchimatas and so on um, but instead of following it with a pen they're following it with a submission. Um, and there are certain styles of sambo where striking is involved. Uh, they call it combat sambo. So they allow striking on your feet, followed by as soon as there's grappling, there's no more striking involved. Um, sambo is a very interesting, very interesting sport. It sounds a lot like judo, because isn't judo, it's it's a lot of takedowns, but judo also will, it has a ground game correct, too. Correct, correct. It's very short, much like sambo's ground game is very short, very abbreviated. Um, so, so Sambo similar where when you are on the ground, you have a limited... I don't know the rules exactly, okay. um, but I do believe it's it's abbreviated much like judo is, where there's a, 
a certain rule set or a certain time set for, for how long you can be there. Before they stand you up. Yeah. And the ground game of Sambo, what kind of style is it? Do they What do they gravitate towards? It's not... Um, none of it is technically superior to jiu-jitsu. A lot of Sambo is based... Uh, their grappling, their submission skills are a lot like catch-as-catch-can, meaning if it breaks something or if it causes sufficient amount of pain then it's successful um not to be underestimated of course mm-hmm. but still if you look at technique for technique uh there's no grappling style that's more technically precise than jiu-jitsu but but sambo is definitely um more wild mm-hmm. i think than jiu-jitsu is a little less controlled a little bit more you know similar to a Wrestling, like yeah, mentality, like correct, that, like very correct. aggressive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's actually a good way to explain it. So, if we think of like the the judo influence in jujitsu, you could look at it as the wrestling influence in sambo. Okay. Yeah. Are there any ju? Are there many crossover guys from sambo to jujitsu? There, there was a guy. I forget his name now. I was trying to remember as as I was talking. Um, on the early early 2000s um he was a, a sambo black belt and he started competing um i want to say the west coast um in the grappler's quest i think um man i forget his name now it'll come back to me um and he uh body love body comb riley body comb that's his name rodney body comb riley body comb body that's him i'm gonna okay. look it up real quick because it's gonna bug me and he was a yeah. Sambo guy that did he, did he do well in in so, the so tournaments the he joined? So that's that's the funny thing, right? Um, yeah, Riley Bodycomb. Yeah. yeah. American guy or Russian guy? He's American. Okay. Yeah. Um, he um, he trained Sambo extensively early on. I don't know quite how he got involved in Sambo. Um, he only really competed. He competed a couple of times in the gi um, that I that I watched him, but mostly it was no gi competitions. And they, um, he was, he would compete often in advanced or expert divisions, you know, as with black, other black belts and stuff. And in the early two thousands, he had a streak for about a year and a half where he was like. Uh, just tearing it up the divisions and he was like coming out of nowhere people had no idea what was happening what kind of stuff was he doing to people um leg locks yeah um sambo's ever sambo is very heavy on leg lock um they've been doing it for a long time so he was doing leg locks and but but none of it is pretty so like if you, if you go back and look and i don't mean any disrespect to riley body comb either um it's just it, a different style and approach, approach to it, it yeah. yeah and 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 you know, leg locks have advanced so much in the past 20, I mean, it's been 20 years, you know what I mean? Like leg locks have advanced so much in 20 years that at the time he might've been, you know, top leg lockers around. Um, but but if you're looking at it now with what we know now of leg locks, um, you know, it, it was very rudimentary and he was able to win, like beat some, win some surprising matches against people that are very, very good. Um, he did a ton of seminars all around the world teaching his leg locks and, and things like that. Um, he was doing, you know, 50-50s and honey hole and, and things like that way back in the day. Um, uh, and, and if you look, you know, his success rate was really great until people realized that was his thing. It was like leg locks. Mm-hmm. And, and people got hip to it and and soon he he was he started he was he 
couldn't maintain the level of success he had prior to because of people are now hip to this. Just like every other. Like everything else. Like we talked about on the the trends trends and so on. So, um, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. I stopped seeing him compete, stopped seeing seminars from him. So I don't know what happened to him. Um, but, but early on he was, uh, he was probably the strongest Sambo crossover into jujitsu, competitively speaking, that I've heard of. Do you see any jujitsu guys cross over to Sambo? <laughs> um, yeah, they did actually. Um, not so much now because I think it's harder to find Sambo competitions in the U.S. or in Brazil, which is where the biggest jujitsu centers are. Are there many Sambo places around? I, I haven't um, looked. There's a few in the country. Um, I don't know how many there are to be honest but, the, but there's not many not mm. in comparison to jiu-jitsu or hell or even like taekwondo you know mm. so um, um, so in the 80s uh, actually Holes 70s 70s or 80s I think it was late 70s early 80s um, Holes actually Holes Hickson um, a few of my other uncles uh, actually entered a sambo competition and and they won. Um, I think Hickson's uh, only disputed loss was in a Sambo tournament um, to to some guy that was never mounted to anything. But he he, I think it was like his first or second match in this, and they all signed up as black belts, you know, in the Sambo competition. <laughs> and he didn't understand one of the rules, and there was like a weird call and. You know, he argued that the rules weren't explained. It wasn't clear, and they they won again. Hicks ended up winning that tournament. Um, but but yeah, no, so they so they competed. Holes competed. Hickson competed. Um, I know others others did as well. Don't know about now, uh, but back back in the day, fifty years ago or so, they did. And the takedowns are, like you said, wrestling, but also judo like because right. they have they wear jackets. Yeah, they wear the jackets and 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 essentially shorts instead of key pants the leg locks that you see from them are they are they are they all the stuff we see in jiu-jitsu knee bars ankle locks uh everything that you're doing they're they're all the same ideas but as if they were back 20 30 years ago maybe longer so i did a seminar in in new england about four years ago and i have had a couple of russians in there um who were uh, Sambo uh, black belts, you know, um, and we did it all like locks. That's what people wanted to know. And they were, I would show them something simple, an ankle lock or heel hook or something along those lines, and um, they would go and practice with each other. They're very much just in their own little clique within the seminar, and they didn't ask a single question, right? So um, I eventually showed a a leg lock that they couldn't do. They, they just couldn't quite get the tap, you know? Mm. So he, he asked me, he's like, oh, can you do it? And I'm like, yeah, you know? So I get to the position and he's like, okay, go ahead. So then like I applied and he tapped and he goes, wow, that was, he's like, that was very good. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And, and he said, when he does it to me, I don't feel it. Are you just like putting more power in? You know, you just, you know, no, I, I don't. I'm not stronger than either of you guys. I mean, these guys are big. I'm like, I'm not stronger than either of you guys. And they're like, well, I mean, you're doing the same thing he did. You must be squeezing harder, you know, yanking harder. I'm, no, no, I'm not. So we, I actually spent about 45 minutes with them after the seminar, kind of trading ideas with leg locks. And 
they have some neat entries. They have some unique approaches to entering leg locks from takedowns in particular, um, which was neat, neat to see, neat to learn. Um, but really their solution for a leg lock not quite working isn't so much addressing the technical side of it is so much addressing the human side of it, meaning they're just applying more force. The physical part yeah. of it, yeah. And, and their solution to a lot of it was you just got to crank harder. Well, kind of. <laughs> That's not the solution to everything, you know? Well, it would make sense that a lot of the people, I, I don't pay attention, a ton of attention to Sambo, but the bits of Sambo that go mainstream that I see, whether it's through social media or, or just YouTube videos, there's a certain type of body type, it seems like, a person yeah. who does Sambo. It's a very f- usually fit or burly or thick. just yeah. thick, yeah, strong individual who right. does it. I mean, the Fedor it was probably the biggest representative of Sambo mm. pre-Khabib, you know. Um, Fedor, again, is a beast. Incredible throws, um, incredible submissions, you know, lots of arm bars and, and things of the such. Also, Vladimir Putin. He's he's a Sambo guy. He's a judo guy. Yeah. Judo. Oh, okay. Judo, not Sambo. Judo. All right. Yeah. That's what no, it is. He doesn't fit the, the Sambo body build. I don't know. He's a pretty tough guy. He's, a, he's probably the toughest president in the world <laughs> with his judo. You know, he's been practicing judo for a long time. Have you seen him shirtless on a horse? No. You haven't? I haven't I haven't Googled putting shirtless on a horse. Listen, I don't I don't I don't support <laughs> Vladimir Putin. I want that to be clear. But, I, but you look him up when he's naked but, on a horse. But but I saw I don't know, it had to have been it had to have been some photo shoot where he's like, Hey, I want you guys to take quote unquote candid pictures of me and there's just this photo shoot of him in the Russian wilderness shirtless on a horse riding around I I think he might have a gun too and just like it's propaganda clearly but but I mean who wouldn't want to have uh to have like your own team that makes you look that that fucking tough if I if I did a photo shoot like that for for my girlfriend I feel like I would score a lot of masculinity points well I'd have to have I'd probably keep my shirt on or, or I'd have someone do some photoshopping yeah yeah so everyone clearly you included homework google shirtless vladimir putin horse i don't know that i want that on my search history all right maybe <laughs> instead of search vladimir putin shirtless on top of horse horse yeah in yeah. horse not in horse not you don't want to no, do that no, no. Okay, that's right. going to be a whole nother yeah i don't want to search any of that <laughs> trust me i try i searched it the stuff that comes up is real disappointing my fbi agent will immediately flag me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there was a if if the <laughs> leaders of the world had a if we had to do trial by combat, yeah, Russia would. I, I I'm sure there might be some leader in some small country that's that's jacked and 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 powerful, could, and powerful. But but based on the the main leaders, soul combat skills. I think Putin is going to take that. Yeah, I think. He would I don't think Biden stand a ch- stands a chance. Trump wouldn't have stood a chance. Merkel doesn't stand a chance. Macron. I, n- none of these people are gonna be able to take on no. Putin in a hand to hand combat. Yeah. If Arnold Schwarzenegger was president, probably not. No, you're right. He's pretty old now. <laughs> he's also just big. <laughs> he's also just large. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unless Chuck Norris ran for president i don't i don't know that i would still take Putin over norris but how, how dare you <laughs> yeah that reminds me you earlier we were talking about you uh you said you're talking about uh the america the presence of sambo in the country and then you mentioned taekwondo taekwondo was for a while the 
biggest martial art in the country. Do you think it went, if you look at martial arts in America, like would it have gone like early, like early 70s, 80s, karate, then taekwondo, and as far as the biggest ones? I think you'll see, yes, absolutely. And I think Mm -hmm. there's an inverse relationship to grappling arts, to the introduction of judo and jiu-jitsu and and wrestling really in the Mm -hmm. US. I think the more the grappling arts became popular, the more rapidly Taekwondo and karate and other forms of combat died. Yeah. Do you think jujitsu's gotten to a point where is is it? Do you think you have more people doing jujitsu than karate and taekwondo, or are those still still probably no, higher? no, because there's still such a huge framework of of those schools. You know, those schools were around for a long time, and 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 I will be honest, uh, the the business model for for a taekwondo school, um, and, and it's not something I could ever do in my school but but really the if you just look at it strictly as a business model the business model for taekwondo schools was brilliant they they had programs for everything they itemized everything they uh, had retention ideas they had homework for the kids to do you know they had like the kids would have to come there and they would have tasks they have to do at home like it, it was a a very like well-built, well-developed program because they they had the market for such a long time mm-hmm. that they were able to mature that business model. Um, it's it's not how jiu-jitsu schools operate and it's not how they would ever operate because of the sole difference in, in the personality, so to speak, of jiu-jitsu versus taekwondo. Um, you don't think they could, you don't foresee it? To me, I, I could see how they would then start, how jiu-jitsu could become that way. Oh, I mean, it could definitely become that way. I don't mm-hmm. think it will, though. Um, I think there's enough. There's enough of a need for jujitsu to remain what it is that I don't think it can become what taekwondo is. Will it? Will there be some dilution and some watering down? Uh, sure, um, but I don't think you'll ever see jujitsu lose itself entirely like taekwondo did, because taekwondo really, at its its its, its root, was a violent form of combat um the problem is is as it systemized itself into a program to generate money as a business model um it it lost a lot of its its efficacy you know the the tournaments uh, eliminated a lot of the need for the brutal combat you know the 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 heavy regulations with the pads originally taekwondo did not have any sort of protection you just went in there and and you did same thing with, with karate it was the same way and you start adding in, you need a you know a body protector and a shin pad and a forearm and gloves and head, you know, and all of a sudden it's like it's not even about how much damage you can deliver, but just about touching something. And that all, I, I don't know anything about the history of these things, so it's just speculation on my part. But I would think that stuff comes from those adaptions come from it becoming mainstream and having so many people do it one of those being children yes that they have to do that and as jujitsu gets bigger and has more kids and just uh everyday people it seems to me like it would follow that path except you you can't (laughs) so you know there's there's armor doesn't protect you in in grappling combat that's Mm -hmm. why jujitsu became what it is so there's no padding to buy for your child the best thing you can do to provide your child is a better jiu-jitsu education is to give them a jiu-jitsu education there's no gear there's no uh, nothing that's going to protect them or make them do better you know mm-hmm. um 
and and what the reason why people gravitate towards jiu-jitsu is because of the reality of what it can do um of course under safe environment and and i think the safety of the student comes down from the culture of the school not necessarily by um limiting what you can and can't do Mm-hmm. You know, part of our our green belts, uh, the orange to green belt, our curriculum there includes heel hooks. I don't care that they're eleven or twelve years old; they'll they'll learn heel hooks. Yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> so you don't ever wake up at night and see a a future jujitsu where there's competitions, and in order to prevent broken limbs, when someone is on top and they get an armbar, as soon as they have that and they fall, that constitutes a a oh, submission no, and that, that could definitely happen mm-hmm. no 100 percent, that could happen it's not an impossibility i just don't think i don't think it'll happen universally i think you will see more and more quote-unquote mac, like mac dojos form where that does take place in order to satisfy the mass and, and to make it a business model mm-hmm. but i think there's enough of a need that there are a lot of schools that will not adopt the Mac Dojo mindset um, because that's not what jiu-jitsu is about. Right. You know, the the end end point of jiu-jitsu is not just to compete, but to to be able to protect, give you the tools to protect yourself effectively. And if I'm limiting the kind of training you can get because of the rule set, then then I'm doing you a disservice. And to me, I, one thing that will would keep jiu-jitsu would, would give it a that validity to the masses who don't know a ton about it would be its inclusion in MMA because Absolutely. it's it's a constant reminder as long as it's still present in MMA saying hey see this is still something that that you can see works in this situation because I to me a downfall of a taekwondo or karate is people who saw it coming up in I don't know the 70s or 80s were seeing it as a oh wow this is cool like it, it i see it working in these situations but then to my generation it became a hundred kids in a class going yeah yeah and like right. and it just it took on this corny feel right. to it and as long as jujitsu has some roots that you constantly see it being tested i think yeah, it, and, it and again not to hate on a particular martial art but um here's the other reason why jiu-jitsu will never ultimately you know, sell out to that idea is because of its efficacy, right? So you, you look at MMA as an example, you know, there's only about five or six styles of martial arts that are actually involved in MMA, but there's hundreds of styles of martial arts out there, but there's only about five or six, you know, you have, you have wrestling, you have Muay Thai, Muay Thai. well, for the striking, you have Muay Thai and boxing. That's it. Kickboxing is a style of Muay Thai. That's it. We're, we're, we're in there, right? So then for grappling, you have judo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, sambo. Boom. Six. Done. That's it. There's no other style of martial art in MMA. People will say, well, there's the Machida with his karate, you know, or somebody or with... Josh, uh, Stephen, Wonderboy Thompson. Right, right. But, but those are the standouts. Right. <laughs> They're not the norm. And much like Muay Thai and boxing have been able to keep its roots as they are today, as they were originally, is because of the efficiency that they bring, right? Uh, we're not, we, I'm not concerned that Muay Thai is ever gonna get wussified 
you know, because of the masses. Like people go to Muay Thai because of it. Yeah, any, any, yeah, Muay Thai is one of those that any time I see a video of Muay Thai, I was like, yeah, that still it still looks pretty badass when right. <laughs> in most of its forms. Yeah, yeah. So I think jujitsu will be much like that. It'll be much more resistant to change because it doesn't have to change. Right. Well, I think I think we can call it quits there. I would love for you to do Muay Thai just just to see how long it'd take for you to do like some high kicks. How long do you think it'd take for you to get, to be to get just a good like for, to get the range of motion? Yeah, but like a like a fairly fluid high kick. Yeah, like a range of motion, just, uh-huh. like, just like just the movement, not like a power thing. Just how high I can kick with fluidity. And like technique, like your legs not all bent and you're doing it. Oh, probably not very long. Well, I have, I have I have very good coordination, leg coordination. I'm very flexible. We should do a Croiler Muay Thai challenge. We should not because <laughs> that's not what I do. <laughs> but I mean, if you got a lot of people, if everyone said, "Hey, we'll give money to charity." And then you just have to learn this kick. Should you give can give me that money, but I'm still not going to do it. Well, no, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> oh, okay. You're supposed right. to, sh- be, you supposed take, to go with it? take the high road and you say, well, I don't want the money. You could send it to charity. Oh, oh, okay, cool. No, you're like, fuck charity. Give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for today, everyone. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.